Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everyone and welcome into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. On today's episode, with Coruscant now in Yuuzhan Vong hands, the remnants of the New Republic are on the run. Wedge Antilles decides it's time to fight back, beginning with the planet Borlaeus. It's Enemy Lines 1, Rebel Dream by Aaron Alston. And joining me to talk about the book today is Kat. Kat, you're back on the show. Hello, I'm so excited. Well, it's been a while since you've joined me here. You were on the Roundtable show a few weeks ago, but I think our last episode on a book was around Memorial Day. How have you been? Are you still enjoying the series? I have been good and also devastated at the same time. So, you know, I'm trying to juggle those two. Um, but I am very much enjoying these books. I'm excited to see uh, them continue to develop. To, to develop. Um, I am still rooting for um, Anakin to just walk out of the mist and magically be alive. So that's just going to be forever. <laughs> I would say your chances of that happening are getting slimmer and slimmer the more books we go along in the series. It really seems like it, but um, (laughs) it's fine. I'll have my hopes crushed. It's not a problem. So I love it overall. So (laughs) I mentioned the round table that we did a couple weeks ago. Did you enjoy yourself there? I was talking to Scott about it last week. He was kind of the one that came up with the idea because he wanted to talk to everyone. I got a kick out of it. Scott said he really enjoyed it. Did, Did you enjoy the round table? Oh, yeah. I wish we could have done that for about five hours because (laughs) we were halfway through the books and so much had gone down. And I could still like I feel like the minute that this series ends, we're going to need a whole nother, you know, 10 hour roundtable because (laughs) I love talking about them so much. Well, I think that is what we're planning. The final book should be sometime during the Christmas season. And I think we are, whenever all six of us can match our schedules up, trying to do a wrap-up roundtable, and hopefully one of us can figure out how to set the recording device for longer than an hour, like I did (laughs) on the mid-season one. But if we can, I'm sure that one will probably end up going for, like you said, hour and a half maybe, Uh, maybe a little longer than that, but it should be fun. Absolutely, yeah. I can't wait, so. (laughs) Now... On that roundtable, one of the things you said you were looking forward to as the series goes along was a little romance. I don't want to ruin anything for people, but it looks like you may be getting a little bit of that in this book. I was a very happy camper reading this book. That's all I'm going to say, but I was pretty stoked. (laughs) Well, we'll talk about that romance 
possibly, and some other stuff coming up in a few minutes. But first, it's listener question time. Today's question comes from Jessica. Jessica S. Will there ever be a TV show or movie about Starkiller? Thank you very much for the question, Jessica. I don't believe there'll ever be a show or movie about Starkiller, but I think you could see Galen Merrick in something. Of course, listeners, for anyone who does not remember, Galen Merrick is the person who becomes Starkiller, Darth Vader's secret apprentice. In the first Force Unleashed, it's the original Galen Merrick. In the second Force Unleashed, it is a clone of Galen Merrick who has all of Galen Merrick's memories. I don't think we'll ever see Starkiller in that way because it's a character created for a video game And because he's created for a video game, he is super-powered. Also, George Lucas has said that Darth Vader did not have a secret apprentice. But we do know there were Inquisitors. Could Galen Merrick have been one of the Inquisitors in canon? Who knows? We do know that Dave Filoni likes the character of Galen Merrick. We also know that Dave Filoni and Sam Witwer, the actor who portrays Starkiller, both his voice and, of course, the way he looks. You know, they took scans of Sam's face and used those scans for Starkiller in the two video games. Maybe Dave throws Sam a line? and cast Galen Merrick at some point in time. Basically, Jessica, I'm saying never say never on the Galen Merrick side, but if you're hoping for Starkiller specifically, I don't think that aspect of the character will ever be in a TV show or a movie. Kat, that was a little long-winded for me. Do you have an opinion on Jessica's question? Um, I have not read anything or, or played any of the games with Starkiller, but I am a huge fan of Sam Witwer, and so I really hope we do see him in some form of the live action. So I know I've seen like a ton of maybe he's going to be in this Ahsoka series coming up, something like that. I don't know, but I'm a huge fan of his, so uh, please put him in something. That's all I'm saying. So. Thank you very much for the email, Jessica. Now, listener, if you have a question for the show, like Jessica, send me an email at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. And if you'd like to get your voice on the show, you can record an audio question and email it in. Just please help me out and record it in MP3 or MP4 audio format. Now it's time for today's book, Enemy Lines 1, Rebel Dream by Aaron Alston. Kat, are you ready? Let's do this thing. Well then, grab yourself a drink and let's head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. The story begins as the New Republic fleet 
flees Coruscant. Wedge Antilles leads the retreat to Borlaeus, a small planet held by the Yuzhan Vong just outside the Coruscant system. Republic forces quickly dispatch a Yuzhan Vong outpost and take control of the planet. Wedge becomes the de facto head of operations as the Coruscant fleet licks its wounds and tries to work out what to do next. The Vong have taken over Coruscant, and those left standing must quickly recover and regroup if they want to stand a chance against them. The remnants of the New Republic Advisory Council soon arrive with orders for Wedge and the Borlaeus occupation forces. With Borskvalia dead, the Quarren Counselor, Puo, has proclaimed himself Chief of State. Puo comes with a list of demands for Wedge to hold fast while the Advisory Council negotiates a new ceasefire with the Vong. Wedge refuses and counters with some demands of his own. Wedge wants control of all battle operations at Borlaeus and one of the Republic's most powerful weapons, the Super Star Destroyer, Lusankia, transferred to his command. Puo reluctantly agrees and leaves Wedge to hold the line while they retreat. After the politicians leave, Wedge gathers his closest allies, including Luke, Mara, Lando, Tycho Selchu, Gavin Darklighter, and Booster Tarek. The New Republic government has fallen, Wedge says. We're going to start setting up resistance cells on planets throughout Vong-controlled space. It's time to reform the Rebellion. On Coruscant, former Senator Vicky Shesh is brought before Sevon Law, the War Master, intends to kill Vicky for failing to kidnap Ben Skywalker, but he stops when she offers key evidence in a possible plot against him. Vicky says the shapers who made his new arm designed it so it would not heal correctly. Vicky says that she can help weed out those plotting against Sevon Law. The War Master agrees to allow Vicky's investigation. He also orders her to oversee a Yuzhan Vong spy on Borlaeus. The spy, a documentary assistant camera operator named Tam Elgren, is ordered to relay any battle plans or scientific discoveries made by Wedge and his forces. Savong La responds to the New Republic taking control of Borlaeus by sending a strike force to retake the planet. Wedge and Tycho plan a feint to give the Yuzhan Vong small military victories on two of Borlaeus's moons at the cost of a high number of ships and personnel. Initially, it looks like the plan is working perfectly. But suddenly, the Lusankia and the Millennium Falcon emerge from hyperspace, right in the middle of the battle. Wedge is forced to send additional ships to defend the new arrivals, and together, they wipe out the Yuzhan Vong strike force. Wedge knows the victory will shine a much brighter light on Borlaeus. Now, they'll have to prepare to defend against a larger Yuzhan Vong fleet, led by a more competent commander. Wedge brings Han and Leia into the Insiders and orders them to take Jedi younglings to the Maw installation for safety. Meanwhile, he sends Luke, Mara, and Tahiri out to plant sensors in the grounds around the headquarters. Wedge knows there are still Yuzhan Vong ground forces hiding out in the jungle. But it's also a counterintelligence mission. The three Jedi talk freely while planting their fake sensors, allowing the hidden Yuzhan Vong to hear what they're saying to relay false information back to Sevan Law. Later, back at the base, 
Luke feels a disturbance in the Force, coming from Coruscant, an intense vision of the dark side. He decides to head back to the former New Republic capital to stop his dark vision from coming true. Tsavong La knows he needs a more skilled commander to lead the attack on Borlaus. He turns to his father, the former warmaster, Zolkang La, and orders him to take control of the fleet and wipe out the Republic forces. Tsavong La also contacts the heretic shaper, Nen Yim, to help him uncover the truth about his Radank claw implant. After Nen Yim inspects the arm, she tells the warmaster that there's nothing wrong with the implant or his shoulder. So why is the implant not healing? Nen Yim says she doesn't know, but if she can evaluate the implant immediately after the next time one of the shapers comes to treat it, she may be able to root out any possible sabotage. Jaina Solo, Kip Duran, and Jagfell arrive at Borlaus from Hapes. Jaina continues to struggle with the loss of both brothers, but Kip seems to have helped her bounce back from her brush with the dark side of the Force. Wedge brings Jaina into the Insiders and orders her to continue her ruse as the Yuzhan Bong trickster goddess Yun Harla. Luke hands over command of the Twin Suns fighter squadron to Jaina. He leads Kip and Jag on a practice run when Zolkang Law's fleet arrives. The Republic forces are startled, but the Vong don't attack Berlaeus. Instead, Zolkang Law orders one of his ships to launch living hostages towards the planet. Thanks to some fancy flying led by Jag, they save most of the hostages. Wedge knows the new Yuzhan Vong commander is good. So, to give him something to think about, the insiders develop a super weapon, the Star Lancer. The weapon consists of four small vessels, three flying in a triangular shape, with the fourth in the middle. The Twin Suns, Rogue, and Black Moon squadrons escort the pipe fighters to orbit and deploy into their positions. Zolkang La watches as the three surrounding ships fire a light beam at the central fighter, where the beams combine into one giant beam of light that fires off toward Coruscant. Quickly, Zolkang La warns his son Tsavong La, who watches as the light beam paints the side of his world ship. Stunned, the Warmaster orders his father to pull the fleet back to the edge of the Borlaus system, while they decide what to do about this new threat. But it's a ruse. The Star Lancer isn't a superweapon. It's just a beam of light. Wedge is using it to buy some time to prepare the Berlaeus defense. Vicky Sesh orders Tam Elgren to get more information about the projects Danny Kui is working on. The reluctant spy visits Danny three times and tries to befriend her, but when he tries to ignore his bong programming, he becomes extremely awkward and is attacked by terrible headaches. Eventually, Vicky decides that Tam is a failure and orders him to kill Danny. But Tam defies the order, and he's crippled with excruciating pain as he slowly leaves Danny's laboratory. When Jaina learns that Luke is planning a mission to Coruscant, she invites herself along, hoping there will be a chance to learn what happened to Jason. She rushes through the base to find her uncle when she runs into Tahiri. The younger girl stops Jaina, telling her that if Jaina goes to Coruscant, 
she will endanger the mission rather than help. The Vong want Jaina and Jason to fulfill their twin sacrifice prophecy. If Jason is still alive and on Coruscant, the Vong will send every warrior they have after the infiltrators to try and capture Jaina. Tahiri volunteers to go instead, telling Jaina that she will help increase the odds for a successful mission. When Tahiri asks Luke if she can accompany the team, he agrees. Soon after, Mara also agrees to join the mission. She and Luke will try to stop his dark vision from coming true, while Tahiri and members of Wraith Squadron try to set up a resistance cell and help refugees escape the planet. Wedge launches another test of the Star Lancer, but Zulkang Law ignores the deception and orders his fighters to capture Jaina's X-Wing. The Vong trap the Twin Sun Squadron in an interdiction field. Slowly, the net closes, tightening the space around Jaina and her squadron. Just before Jaina is caught in the net, Jag has an idea to escape. He tells Jaina and Kip to drop a pair of Jedi Shadow Bombs and make the bombs follow his fighter toward the Vong Interdictor. The plan works, as Jag protects the shadow bombs until they explode against the interdictor's Dovin basils, destroying the gravity well. It opens a hole in the Yuzhan Vong net, allowing twin sons to escape, but Jag's fighter is damaged in the explosion. Jaina refuses to leave Jag, and she and Kip disobey Wedge's orders to leave Jag and return to Borlaeus. Using some fancy flying, Jaina and Kip rescue their wingman. When they return to Borlaeus, Jag pulls Jaina aside to yell at her for risking her life to save him, but Jaina breaks down before Jag has a chance. All the emotions she's been trying to shut off rush out of her. Jaina begins to sob when Jag pulls her into an embrace. Jag holds Jaina, telling her that he's not planning on leaving anytime soon. The two stare into each other's eyes before Jag tilts Jaina's head. They share a kiss. Finally! before Jag leaves to report to Wedge's office. Sul Kang La orders an all-out assault on the planet, launching coral skippers and landing ground forces. Wedge deploys his defenses and orders Lando to use the battle to sneak the Coruscant infiltration team off Borlaeus. When Lando's ship arrives at Coruscant, it's blasted by Tsavong La's forces. The ship breaks apart, launching Luke, Mara, Tahiri, and the Wraiths into Coruscant's atmosphere in specialized drop pods. Lando and his YVH droid escape the wreckage in a B-Wing and head back to Borlaeus. The story ends on Borlaeus. Wedge pulls his starfighters out of high orbit and back close to the planet. Wedge also pulls the New Republic ground troops back to headquarters, allowing the Yuzhan Vong ground forces to advance. Just as it looks like the Vong have our heroes surrounded, Wedge orders Lusankia to unleash an orbital bombardment not seen since the days of the Empire. Death and destruction rain down from the sky, annihilating the Vong forces on the planet. In the wake of the massacre, Zulkang Law withdraws his forces. Lando returns and orders a party for everyone, Jaina thinks of declining, but reconsiders as Jack takes her hand and the two join in the festivities. Time for a break. When we return, Kat and I will talk more about Enemy Lines 1, Rebel Dream, by Aaron Alston. I'm Aaron Motes. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. (laughs) 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, where we celebrate the books from Star Wars Legends. But let me take a moment and recommend a book from Star Wars canon. Aftermath, Empire's End is the conclusion to the best-selling trilogy about the final days of the Empire. Nora Wexley and her team hunt for Imperial Grand Admiral Ray Sloan, who's searching for the mysterious Gallius Rex. And it all culminates at one last battle on the planet Jakku. Will Nora and Ray Sloan be able to stop Rex from implementing the Emperor's final plan? Find out in Aftermath, Empire's End by Chuck Wendig, the final book in the Aftermath trilogy. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes, and today... Kat and I are talking about Enemy Lines 1, Rebel Dream, by Aaron Alston. Book number 11 in the New Jedi Order series. All right, Kat, first question, Jaina and Jag, discuss. Oh, I just love it so much. Give me more, all of it. (laughs) Take me away. (laughs) Scott and I mentioned it in the last episode when we talked about Dark Journey, where clearly Jaina and Jag were flirtatious without realizing they were being flirtatious. Some of that continues here, especially in the beginning when Jag agrees to become part of the Twin Suns squadron when they're up in orbit practicing some of their maneuvers and he's able to anticipate what Jaina is going to do before she does it. That really annoys Jaina, and she tells him about it a few times, and he has these little quippy comebacks every once in a while about how she's predictable, but it grows from there. I'm personally not the biggest fan of the argument that turns into a romantic situation, but for the purposes of this book, I think it works. I think they do a really good job with it. I like uh, I like the development. I'm a big fan of like enemies to lovers. Not that this is exactly enemies, but for sure they perturb the heck out of each other. So <laughs> I really, um, which I think, especially at their age, what they're supposed to be, 16, 17 years old? Well, they're a little older than that. Uh, okay. I think Jaina is 18, 19, mm-hmm. and Jag is like two years older than her. So he's somewhere 20 to 21. Mm-hmm. Still, young love, especially they haven't really had relationships before. So they're really just trying to figure this out. So they're like, oh, God, this person really irritates me. But I'm constantly thinking about them. Does that mean I actually like them and I like this irritation? So I think it's a cute little relationship and I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> and they are kind of mirror images of each other. Jaina has grown up in the Jedi Order. She was at the Jedi Academy for years. We know Jedi aren't really supposed to have 
romantic encounters, so it wasn't like there were many options for Jaina at the Jedi Academy during her teenage years. And Jag is a human who was raised in Chiss society. Now, we don't know much about whether or not humans and Chiss can have relationships together, but you have to feel that there weren't many options for Jag when he was growing up. And now the two have found each other. Whether or not they annoy each other, they definitely respect each other as starfighter pilots. And that seems to be what sparks the attraction. Yeah, I think that hits the nail on the head, too. Like, they both want to identify as very strong pilots. Like, Jaina being a Jedi and Jag being from the Chiss, like, those are important backgrounds for both of them. But what they really pride themselves on is being those star pilots. And so the fact that they're kind of able to learn from one another and um, kind of go off of one another's uh, methods of flying and everything, I think that that also leads to their development. It To me, it seems very natural for their development, honestly. Not just that, you know we don't have very many options. Yes, that is also the case, but it feels like Jaina especially has been around at least Jedi her age. She's been around a lot of male figures. And so her and Jag, beautiful, wonderful, fantastic. I squealed out loud when they kissed. So I was very excited. (laughs) So not just Jaina and Jag, but we have some examples of other interpersonal relationships in this book. Luke and Mara, they have some interesting conversations about Mara wanting to protect Ben from everything. We have a conversation between Han and Leia about Jaina. And then for me, the two best conversations in the book are Jaina and Tahiri. When Tahiri's trying to explain to Jaina why she shouldn't go on the mission to Coruscant and the short conversation in Leia's quarters between Leia and Jaina where the two solo women are trying to talk through their differences. One thing I think Aaron Alston is very good at, the author, is writing these conversations. I think he's very good with that in the Wraith books. I think he's very good with that here. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree. That was one of my big points is, uh, you know, the action I think was uh, was really good. I think uh, he had a very good way of explaining the action and everything, but I was so excited to get those uh, character-to-character moments that he had, um, even when it was between Wedge and his wife or um, when it was even with Tam and Danny, uh, there were a couple of interactions that I, I was just so excited to see those conversations on the page every time. He handled them very well, and they felt very real for the characters. He did a stellar job, for sure. Even the funnier conversations, like between Jaina and the two wraiths that are trying to teach her how to be the goddess. (laughs) Yeah, it's a humorous part of the book. But you still see Jaina's personality shine through. Mm -hmm. It still seems like a natural 
conversation. It doesn't seem like it's being written by an author. Right. Yeah, exactly. I can see that happening on the screen. I can feel the characters coming through in their words that they're saying and everything. And um, even when we're just in their heads or when we're, you know, having those interactions, um, we really are able to get a sense of, you know, the characters that are feeling lost or that are feeling scared or that are feeling um, kind of powerful emotions or that they're worried or like the first half of the book, Wedge, basically his family is missing. So whenever they show up, that interaction where, you know, he finally gets to see his wife and kids is really meaningful. So I think he's able to really show characters' emotions in those conversations. What's your favorite part of this story? I mean, besides the kiss that I was just so excited to see, um, I definitely have to say that part with Tahiri and Jaina as well. I think the author handled that so well and made uh, uh, Tahiri, I really like Tahiri's uh, character as well. And, you know, she's trying to be, she's trying to find her way back to, I want to be useful. I want to not be as so distraught about Anakin. And I, I know that, Jaina and Jason cannot be in the same place at the same time and so I'm just trying to put some logic back in there I'm trying to put some feeling back into my friend because I also lost Anakin and just because Jaina was related to him doesn't mean that she gets the um, be all end all to the grief over that so kind of sparking some life back into Jaina she kind of breaks down a little bit and then further later on so I think Tahiri is, is a big reason for that What do you think about the New Republic government? Is it still a functional government? I don't think so. I think that Wedge has the right idea. They got to put some rebellion places or some rebellion units in place because it's just going to fall to pieces. I think that those that are still quote unquote in power, they're just going to be worried about their planet, their people, like their immediate um, place in the universe and I just don't see them being able to go forward as an entire unit that part of the book is really interesting to me even the first time I read it way back in the early 2000s I was so excited when Wedge says we have to reform the rebellion but one of the things that we talked about way back in the very first episode of the New Jedi Order series is one of the two things that this series is here for is to introduce the next generation of heroes in the Star Wars timeline, focusing mostly on the solo kids, but you have others in there like Jag Fell, like Kip Duran, like Danny Kui. Even as excited as I was hearing Wedge talk about reforming the Rebellion, part of me was a little concerned because, in my opinion, that brings the older generation back to the forefront. They're the ones who remember the Rebellion. They're the ones who lived through the Rebellion. They know how to do this. The new generation didn't live through that. They don't know how to do this. What are your thoughts about reforming 
a version of the rebellion going forward? I definitely think you make some good points uh, that this series is definitely putting an emphasis on the new members of this storyline, the new um, Jedi that are kind of creating a name and creating a sense of self. Um, I mean, it's literally called the New Jedi Order. <laughs> they did name it that for a reason. <laughs> um, so they're they're painting a lot of um, of the new mural that is the New Jedi Order with the the newer characters. I think that hearkening back to the old rebe- the old rebellion um, helps a lot of the older readers kind of feel like oh they still have you know, some of our favorites in there, but maybe we'll kind of see them passing the torch along to the newer ones. Uh, I like a little bit of both, so I can see why you'd be a little bit worried that maybe they're going to fall back on some of those ideas or some of those characters to kind of be heavy hitters. And we do want to see more from those new characters in the um, spotlight. So we'll just kind of see how it develops. I I liked the episode. I really liked I haven't seen this much of Wedge before, so I was really excited to read so much about Wedge. I know that you have some feelings about him, but uh, I'm with Matt on this one. I love Wedge. He was a lot of fun to read. I love Wedge. He's the best wingman in the galaxy. (laughs) If you ever want more Wedge stories in Legends, there are two series. There's the X-Wing Rogue Squadron books and the Wraith Squadron books. They're, Mm -hmm. They're really, really fun reads. And Alston writes the Wraith Squadron series. Nice. There is a passage in the third Wraith Squadron book, I think. It's either the second or the third one, but I I think it's the third one. It's about a two-page passage. And I still contend it's the most heart-wrenchingly beautiful passage that I have ever read in Legends. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I definitely, after reading these books, I am diving deep into Legends. So <laughs> we were talking about this being the beginning of a very long journey. And they, I mean, I'm in for the long haul. So <laughs> that's great. Um, let's shift our focus a little to the Yuzhan Vong. Is there a mutiny afoot? Are the shapers and the priests trying to get Savang La out of the picture? And if they are, why? I definitely think he's making some questionable um, some questionable decisions uh, because he's going against, especially when we get his point of view or we get his interactions with other Yuzhan Vong, he is not making typical decisions that they would see from a war master in my opinion um so i definitely see a rebellion coming from the inside um some of his decisions are like to keep vicky shesh around everybody why why are you doing that and i i know that k2 in particular is very upset that she is still around <laughs> so but i think that other yujan vong are also like he has Nen Yem and he has other people working on this um, possible rebellion that's happening. He doesn't need Vicky Shesh. Like, nobody respects her or likes her anyway. So keeping her around is very odd. Um, he orders retreats every now and again. And a lot of the Vong see that as weakness. They don't retreat for anything. doesn't matter. So 
I just think that a lot of his decisions are he's intrigued by the Jedi and their universe. And so some of that is influencing his actions and some of the Bong are not happy about that. Well, I think one thing that Savong La is concerned about is the force. I have to say, if I was in his position, I would be really tentative as well because it's been over two years now and there is just this one aspect of the galaxy that you don't have a handle on. You've definitely conquered more than what you have lost. But the Jedi still represent one aspect of this galaxy that to this point you cannot defeat. And I I think I understand a little of why Savong La is cautious in this instance. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I don't think he's necessarily, like you said, he definitely has to have his wits about him and make those out-of-the-ordinary decisions to try and combat the Force and try and understand. Uh, and if he has to keep Vergeer and he has to keep Viki Shesh and some other outs- quote-unquote outsiders along with him to be able to understand more of what happens in this galaxy and how and everything. Um, I definitely get it. I just also feel like the Yuzhan Vong present as such a black and white society. They are the shapers. They are the priests. They are the war. So like they have these very specific subsets. So as a war master, you have to be very decisive. And he is, but some of his decisions are just questionable by the others. And so I don't think they have a very, like, he's doing something wrong. We have to get rid of him. That's the way. And that's it. What do you think happened to Jason? Is Jason still alive? Oh, absolutely. I just, I don't, I don't like somebody who made that point. Oh, I'm pretty sure it was Leia talking to Han. Um, But that they wouldn't be so gung-ho about getting these twins and then getting their hands on one and killing him. I don't believe that he's dead. I believe that that disturbance in the Force probably going to be something to do with Jason on Coruscant. Have they taken him there? Are they trying to reshape them? What are they trying to do to and with him? I do believe that Leia is correct. She felt something different when Anakin died versus when Jason was taken. So he's still out there. Is he still Jason? That's the better question because they've had him for this long. We've now gone two books and not a peep. And I am so raring to get that answer as to what has happened to our poor Jason. That feeling in the Force, are you saying, are you talking about the dark vision that Luke has? Or is that something else? Yes, I believe that is Jason. That's what Luke is talking about, is that disturbance in the Force. Okay. What do you think that is? I honestly believe that it's it's Jason has been taken by the Shapers, and so they're totally you know, reforming him as a Yuzhan Vong and they're 
uh, implementing his use in the force for the Vong. They're recreating memories for him. It's the same thing that they try to do to Hiri. They're trying to reshape him as a Yuzhan Vong, but one that can possibly use the force or help them understand the force, something like that. They have him and they are actively using him and it's for the dark side. So that's what Luke is feeling. Interesting. Interesting. Before we wrap up, just one thing I wanted to mention to you and to the listeners. When I first began reading Legends way back, 1991 is when I first started. So I've been reading these books for a long time. Even reading them the very first time, there are three lines in these books that I remember. The first comes from The Last Command, the final book in the original Thrawn trilogy. And I think it's a line that many Legends fans remember. It's when Thrawn is killed in that book and he says, but it was so artfully done. Now, the line that always hit me the hardest, we haven't gotten to yet. It is in this New Jedi Order series, but it's a few books from now. It struck a chord with me when I read it the first time back in 2001, 2002, whenever that was, and I've never forgotten it. There's one in this book. It's when Ayala, Wedge's wife, asks her husband, when the Yuzhan Vong attack Borlaeus, what are you going to hit them with? The New Republic or the Rebellion? And Wedge answers, we're going to hit them with the Empire. Ooh, chills. That line just always struck a chord with me. I knew exactly what Wedge was talking about when he said that. And it it comes to fruition later in the book. He orders an orbital bombardment from the Superstar Destroyer Lusankia and from a couple other New Republic capital ships that are in orbit. And you can just imagine the Empire doing that. I don't know why that line, I've remembered it for 20 plus years, but that's one line that I've always remembered from Legends. I just wanted to share that story. Yeah, he certainly delivers, and that is a very powerful line. I uh, I remember it, reading it as well, and I was like, okay, I'm in love with this plan. Please tell me more. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite lines in the books. Yeah, he delivers. Like like I said, I, I was so excited to read more about Wedge. He delivers and then some. He he is a great strategist in this movie or in this uh, book. I'm sure Matt will love hearing that if and when he re- he listens to this episode. <laughs> he better be. All right, Kat. Well, it's time to wrap up. Now, listener, if you have an opinion about something that Kat and I have talked about on the show, or if you have a question for me, you can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. Kat, thank you very much for joining me today. I had so much fun. I'm so pumped to see where the rest of this series goes. And, you know, I'm just going to have to dive into the whole universe. And I definitely want to read uh, the Wraith series and anything with Wedge. I mean, the possibilities are endless. I'm so excited. If the listeners would like to contact you or if they'd like to check out your podcast, Animated Antics, how can they do that? We are on Twitter, 
that is at jncat1. Usually we'll put up a poll once or twice a month to kind of see what uh, series we're going to be covered next. Um, and then we're also on Instagram. That's Animated Antics Pod on Instagram. And uh, you can find us on Spotify, anything. We basically just cover different animated series. And it, Star Wars is definitely a big part of that. So, Coming up on the next episode, Jay returns to the show. We'll talk about the second book in this duology, Enemy Lines 2, Rebel Stand by Aaron Alston. You can join us for that episode coming up on September 15th. Listener, thank you so much for tuning in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. May the Force be with you. And remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends.